Welcome to the worship and work of Northminster Church. I am uh, honored to be here and honored to have been uh, asked to fill in some during this transition period. Not as honored as I would have been to be asked to host Jeopardy as a guest host. Uh, but in a way, worship kind of is Jeopardy, isn't it? I mean, it's a game that you play where you're given the answer and you've got to get the questions. We, uh, we don't have to worry about an answer here. It's been given. It's been passed on to us generation after generation. The answer is the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ. Now, that's kind of the easy part, isn't it? The hard part the vexing and perplexing questions that we bring, that we live, and that we somehow in worship see how they match with the answer. So we're going to say the call to worship now, and I just want to tell you, if you have a short attention span, uh, the call to worship is an abstract of the sermon, looks like. So if you want to quit listening at that point, uh, you may do so. Please, uh, for my sake, act like you're still paying attention if you do. Let us worship the Lord our God. People of God, draw near. Draw near to God and to each other. Here we find abundant grace, fathomless mercy, and abundant, abiding love. Here we gather When each of us brings what meager resources we have to this place, there is more than enough to go around. Let us draw near, let us worship God. The Trinity, that theologically enigmatic subject with which liturgical churches deal annually, was, 
on Trinity Sunday, 2012, the Sunday after Pentecost, of course, the subject of Dr. Welton's Gaddy's sermon. During and following his characteristically thoughtful and insightful dealing with this man-made church doctrine, Reverend Daryl Cluck, who was in attendance that Sunday, felt a mixture of sympathy, having had to deal with the same uncomfortable sermon topic himself many times in the pulpit, and inspiration. He went home and penned our opening hymn. It bears a dedication to Dr. Gaddy. Sung to the tune Saint Anne, to which we also sing, O God, our help in ages past, the trinity of love takes us from the realm of the complex ecclesiastical mindset to the simple God is love. That explains it. God is lover, loved one, and love itself, one in three. It is probably no accident that he chose this tune, like, oh God, our help, we are reminded that love lives on in spite of all, is present in every breath we take, is the one beneath, around, and above, always embracing creation. Let us sing together the trinity of love.
Let us pray. O God of loving kindness and tender mercy, we come before you this morning in need of kindness, tenderness, love, and mercy. Our world has an abundance of unkindness, mercilessness, ruthlessness, hatefulness. Too often in our need to be loved, we have been unloving. To compensate for a lack of tenderness, we have dealt harshly with those around us. Unkindness begets unkindness in an endless cycle of escalating harmfulness. Forgive us, Lord, for returning ruthlessness with ruthlessness. Forgive us for hating ourselves so much that we've forgotten how to be anything except hateful. Open us up to your spirit so that we may be willing to extend to others the same tender mercy and loving kindness we so desperately need and for which we so humbly plead. reading from the book of Exodus. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord who has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites, say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your, Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. 
gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning, they gathered it, as much as each needed. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. This is one of our sacred stories. Hear now the reading of the gospel as it is found in John, the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 12. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him, him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. When Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated and also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets.
the all-you-can-eat buffet of the kingdom of God. Hush puppies aplenty for many without any. Fish galore with all the fixings and more in store. Come to J.C.'s pop-up fish shop on the hillside. Learn of a world where none go hungry, where no belly aches and swells from malnutrition, where no sad-eyed children silently plea every night on TV. Meet one whose way is enough to fill body, mind, and soul. My memo was my grandmother on my mother's side. And starting from the day when I came home from college, she'd always tell me every time I came to visit her, Daryl, you're really looking good since the last time I saw you. Looking good. Thanks, Mamma, I'd say. It was right before she died that I learned that when she said looking good, she meant you've gained weight. <laughs> Surviving the Great Depression, fat to her mean health, but healthy enough to make it through that dusty deprivation called life. I see her now at that pop-up fish shop in the sky, sharing hush puppies with Christ in a big old fish fry, telling everybody, you're sure looking good. My memo worked as a short order cook at a hamburger joint after Pa died early on, leaving her only with fleeting memories and five kids to raise on her own. And having never learned to drive, she walked up the hill and down the highway to the Burger Cream about a mile away every day, day after day. The story in the text from John tells us probably it starts that text with some mama or mama getting up early and packing a picnic basket for a young boy. What was in the picnic basket for this little boy? Five loaves and two fish. Have you ever thought about how much grub that is for a little boy to eat? Little boy. Well, maybe the kid was there to sell the food like so many scenes in third world countries where plaintive children call out for you to buy something, mister, buy something, ma'am, for you today almost free. Whether a young entrepreneur destined for the shark tank or a little kid with a big appetite, he held in his backpack the raw material for a miracle. A miracle that is so important that is the only miracle except the resurrection mentioned in all four Gospels. So something essential must wait for us to discover. One essential we can discover in the story is that the good news of God commences with compassion. Here in John, Jesus sees a hungry crowd and asks, how are they to be fed? The other three Gospels are more specific in saying that when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Now in Greek, this word refers to the bowels which were thought at that time to be the place in the body where love and pity are located. You know the way we say, 
I love you with all my heart. I don't suggest you tell your significant other you love them with all your guts. The Hebrew word for compassion is a lot less unpleasant and far more poetic. The word is hesed. It's a word that's best translated loving kindness or tender mercy. If Jesus is a lens through which we see into the nature of God, we can rejoice because God's tender mercies enfold us, God's tender mercies hold us, God's loving kindness surrounds us, God's loving kindness sustains us, and through the gentle eyes of Jesus, God sees all the crowd and all their need. And what a crowd it was on the hillside that day on the other side of Galilee. The other Gospels tell us that Jesus fed 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children. Except those texts do mention them. They say they were hungry too, the women and children. They also mattered because God never forgets those who don't usually get counted in a crowd. You count when God counts. So if you count spouses and a couple of kids on the average... Maybe Jesus and his crew were likely feeding 15 to 20,000 that day. And Jesus made it clear to his inner circle that he wanted them to feed them all. We can't afford it, one said. Even if everyone takes itty-bitty bites or just takes one quick lick, it's not going to work. And then smart Alec Andrew says that he found a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Yeah, right, eye rolls, snickers, until Jesus, after blessing the bread and fish, started passing out the victuals. And according to the story in John, Jesus served everyone personally. If you've ever gotten restless and squirmy at a long communion line, think how long it took that day with Jesus giving each one what the text said was as much as they want. The crowd became a crowd of one to one with the one of God. All you can eat, tilapia and hush puppies. I wish I could tell you that it was an all-you-can-eat catfish day, but catfish is considered unclean. To be kosher, you have to have fins and scales. Catfish don't have scales. However, the Sea of Galilee was full of that commonest of fish, tilapia. Kind of like my freezer. I mean, who knew we were being so biblical when we stocked up on tilapia at Sam's? But God uses this most common of fish and the most common of breads. Barley was for those who couldn't afford wheat and a nameless little boy and used to work miracles, to work wonders. Not only does the good news of God use people to be good news to others, God uses the least of these for the most of those. And the good news of God in Christ more than satisfies. Makes you spiritually good-looking, like Mima would say. Not only does one have all you can eat, but there are leftovers. Leftover grace, 12 baskets full. One for each disciple to distribute to those not on the hillside who need nurture. Every Sunday here at Northminster, we serve up more mercy than you need. 
more loving kindness than you can handle. Do you think the 12 basketfuls of life-giving love were stored up in some apostolic pantry somewhere? It was given to be given away. So what will you do with your basketfuls of leftovers of tender mercy and loving kindness? The images of God's gracious gift to us in this text are bread and fish. Now, I know bread always gets the top billing, and I guess it had a lot better PR. In fact, the Bread of Heaven sermon, which Jesus preaches here in John for the next 71 verses, is an example. But what about the fish? Now, the fish did get some fanfare from the early Christian adopters. The word fish is ichthus, and the first letters of ichthus in Greek form an acrostic standing for Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, and by drawing a symbol of the fish, first Christians could identify each other and proclaim the gospel without the Romans being on persecution, even knowing what was going on. So remember the bread, but don't forget the fish. Jesus provides complete nutrition for us, the story proclaims. Not just carbohydrates, but protein as well. In the Exodus story of the feeding of the Israelites fleeing captivity, most often we focus on the manna, the bread from heaven, and that's so important. By the way, manna is translated from Hebrew as, what's that? <laughs> they saw this stuff on the ground in the morning and said, what's that? We don't always recognize God's gifts right under our feet, even if it tastes like honeycomb. And in the evenings, the people of God saw the sky fill with quail who dropped to the ground for them to gather them for food. Quail in Hebrew does not mean what the hell, just quail. <laughs> but like the fish and the feeding of the 5,000, protein was provided for those manna sandwiches. Yet unlike the New Testament story, the manna and quail spoiled each day if not eaten. Rotten leftovers filled their baskets. But when Jesus fed the multitude, baskets of blessed leftovers abounded. Good news for folks like us who need all the blessing we can get, who need tender mercy and loving kindness to last more than a day. Basketfuls of mercy, leftovers of loving kindness like that, well, they're handed out each week here. Just hearing our choir is worth at least a basket and a half. Joy comes when we feed with God's grace, when we share that grace with others. God loves us too much to let us lock that love inside. An image proclaims the good news in all its joyfulness for me. I was a campus minister and instructor of religion at Shriner College in Texas. This was, this was decades ago when my now 40-year-old child was a kindergartner. Robbie had a battery-powered blue race car big enough for him to sit in and actually ride and drive. And he would ride it to the college cafeteria where we would take our meals as a perk of residential employment. I can see him now speeding down the sidewalks, one hand on the wheel, the other up in the air in triumph. Robbie would arrive at the cafeteria and head for the bowl of goldfish crackers that were always kept on hand. 
was watching him as he did this. You know those little crackers that are shaped like fish? You know? <laughs> Goldfish crackers. That, that's what he headed for. And he got a handful of them, and he started to go around the cafeteria, and he started to pass them out one by one to the students. And each time he gave them a goldfish, he'd say, I'm Jesus, be not hungry. <laughs> and there it was, a fish of bread. To say that you're matter, that you're on the receiving end of tender mercy and loving kindness. I don't know if you've noticed. It doesn't do any good to have an object lesson if you don't have the object. I don't know if you've noticed, but every little fish has a smile etched in it. Check them out. And I imagine those students left the cafeteria with a smile etched in their hearts. And so can you as you leave here today. Because here you can gobble up all the love you need and all the love you want and still be laden with leftovers of love. I check with the coordinating council about using goldfish crackers for communion and then with something about copyright infringements that in invented it. And they didn't like my idea of a little piece of tilapia being passed around while the choir sang Baby Shark during <laughs> communion. Nix that too. So you'll just have to use your imagination to join the crowd spread out on the grass, listen for a word of God straight to the heart of your greatest need, Prepare to receive here all that you need to be all that you need to be. Open your hands and hold them out that they might be filled with tender mercy and loving kindness. The line to receive the gifts of God will not be as long as it was that day on the hillside, but it is every bit as tender a mercy and loving a kindness that awaits you at the end of the line. Basketfuls of mercy, leftovers of love. Amen. I think most of us know the drill, but uh, in case some don't, remember to please wear your mask when you come to communion and only remove it when you're partaking of the elements and then put it back on. And also remember that the elements will be placed in your hands.
same manner he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. All of you drink of it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth the Lord until he's coming. And now we pray the prayer Jesus taught all disciples everywhere together to pray.
And before our closing hymn, we do have a few opportunities and announcements. Vacation Bible School is coming up August the 8th through 11th for, for uh, children kindergarten through fifth grade. So uh, if you haven't already told Beth Mayfield that your kids or kids you're aware of are, are interested in, in Bible school, it will be from 5.30 to 7 o'clock on those days, August 8th through 11th. If you'd let Beth know or call the church office and let, uh, let them know and they'll get word to Beth so we can be prepared for uh, the children who will be coming to Vacation Bible School, August 8th through 11th. As you leave worship today, if you've taken your mask off during worship, uh, please put it back on and wear it while in the building. I think we've all uh, gotten a little bit complacent, but with uh, the Delta variant being so highly contagious in Louisiana now leading the nation in the increase in COVID cases, we all need to be more careful. Uh, we want to do our part in helping to keep everyone as safe as possible. Also, if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated as soon as possible. A vaccination could save your life and the lives of someone close to you. Uh, following the service today, please feel free to take some of the flowers uh, on the communion table to help brighten your or someone else's week. If you need uh, help uh, making an arrangement of those, Marilyn, would you uh, help people know how to make the arrangement? I wouldn't be able to make an arrangement from those probably myself, but, uh, but they're gorgeous. Thank you, Marilyn, for, the, for those. Uh, and as we say each week, if you found a place of community or healing or hope at Northminster and believe in the work we're doing, please consider supporting us financially so that we can keep doing this work in the days ahead. So now if you would please stand for the closing
These are the persons you have chosen to seek for us a new pastor. Theirs is a secret and unique task to find the person God is preparing to lead us into the future. What do you say to them? We are grateful for your willingness to take on so vital a task. We seek God's blessing on each of you and on the work you do. May every meeting be filled with God's spirit and led by holy wisdom. We pledge as God's people at Northminster to pray for you, uphold you, be patient with you. In the long hours of your work, we promise to respect your need for confidentiality and trust you. We promise you our support and words of encouragement throughout your work. We pledge this in the hope and faith that you will follow God's path to bring a new pastor to live among us. Sisters and brothers of the Northminster Pastor Search Committee, you have committed yourself to a significant leadership task on behalf of the entire congregation. In recognition of the importance of your work, we pause to express our gratitude and to remind ourselves that you do not undertake this task alone. You will be guided by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the prayerful support of the members of this church. What will you say to this church? Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your constant presence. Even amid change, you are with us, calling us into deeper waters, calling us out of ourselves into the world to serve others. Grant our pastor search committee your fullest blessing that they bring one call to lead us into new waters yet holding fast to your infinite love and mercy, which has and continues to make us Northminster. Grant them wisdom and courage to do your will amid their work. And may they know in every moment of their labor, they have our trust, our prayers, and our love through Christ, in whom we pray. Amen.